0: Hi, this is Grady Summers. I'm FireEye's head of product, and I'm the host of the FireEye Ion Security Podcast. Today, we're talking about the innovation architecture. It's a new functionality in FireEye's endpoint security product. Joined today by Jim Wagner, who's product manager for FireEye endpoint security, and Stephen Davis, who's a technical director in our research group. So, Jim and Stephen, thank you for joining. Our pleasure. Happy to be here. So uh, as the name might say, this innovation architecture is pretty innovative in in that I know it enables our customers and our FireEye teams to do some things they haven't ever been able to do before. It's a pretty big deal. Uh, Let me just throw it out to both of you. What exactly is the innovation architecture and how does it help?
1: Well, let me take that one first. Innovation architecture, uh, when we look at why we came up with it, what we'll get into, but it is a, w- a new way for us to deliver capabilities out to our customers that were derived from problems that our consultants, our Mandiant teams, even our labs teams are trying to solve and, and getting out new features uh, to protect customers. So it's a changes to the server, changes to the agent, so we can deliver new features.
0: Steve, what, what's the innovation architecture doing kind of under the covers? What, what is it doing that enables that, that faster iteration that Jim refers to?
2: So what the innovation architecture does is allows uh, research orgs around the uh, FireEye to be able to contribute to HX uh, while not being on the core product. So uh, I have a Windows internals background. I have some EDR experience. I have some investigative experience. I have a passion for doing uh, digging into Windows and figuring out how we can find attackers and stop attackers. And the innovation architecture is going to allow me to contribute plugins uh, via server and endpoint to find attackers and interrupt what they're trying to accomplish. I'll get into some examples of that as we go along. And when you're doing that, Steve, are you doing it, is that actually part of the product? So yeah, it will be executed within the context of the product, but it's this modular architecture that it's not tied into the core product. So think of it as kind of, if you're ever familiar with like Metasploit or something like that, there's the core Metasploit product, which uh, a bunch of folks uh, engineer and work on. And then it allows outside contributors to come in and write various types of modules that operate in, it in a safe manner.
0: Yeah. And so, Jim, I might turn it back to you as the product manager and say, hey, if we have all this good expertise inside our FireEye and our Mandiant teams, why don't we just build this stuff into the core product? Why this so- innovation
1: architecture? So let me tell you why the innovation architecture and why it's really awesome for me. When I first joined and over the last few years, I would hear from the engineers and especially the field engineers like Steve, who's finding new evil, creating new tools and capabilities uh, to find that evil. He would come up with a list of all of these capabilities and say, Jim, can you get this into the product? So I'd have to take these tools, prioritize them against the things we're already doing on strategy and roadmap. And there was just really no way to fit it in. We'd put it in queue, and I'd literally have to wait years before we could even begin to, to start this. And so when I'd ask why, I was like, why aren't you guys building this on top of HX? They would, our architecture at the time for FireEye Endpoint, it just didn't enable anyone but the product engineers to create features and deliver code. Meanwhile, we had a separate standalone tool that was you know, being used on top of FireEye Endpoint, but we couldn't natively work those tools over. So now we, 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 took a, we took a moment, we took a pause, we revamped our server, we revamped our agents such that they can be independently updated. And that's what Steve has been working on and we'll give some more examples of that.
0: When I think about the product, our import security product has had a great set of APIs for a long time. And Steve, I guess I would ask you, what does the innovation architecture do that we haven't been able to do with those APIs in the past?
2: So, yeah, our current set of APIs within our product are mostly focused around existing functionality. So let's just say, for an example, um, I had to write a user land component or a kernel component. Those might not be exposed in a safe manner via an API. And the innovation architecture allows me to get my code to execute wherever I please, whether it be a kernel driver that detects some new type of evil or a user land component that goes and returns some type of audit data to consultants. It's essentially exposing that extra functionality to give code execution. To other groups, got it, okay, and then that's you
0: know I can see our consultants doing that, Jim, what would you expect a customer to see though as as the benefit from the architecture?
1: so what we're gonna do um so what so one thing that if I look at current roadmap now, you know we deliver something uh, pretty you know on cycle every three months, six months, nine months, and we're always dependent upon those uh, those cycles now, independent of those product cycles we can have engineers who are creating new code or new features and exposing it to our customers. So what we'll do is we will have people like Steve or anyone else here at FireEye, once they create what we call a module, we'll post it up into the market um, for customers to download and deploy using their endpoint infrastructure. So download into HX, deploy out selectively to uh, a group of agents, um, all agents, and turn on, enable, and get that native functionality. And so what this is causing us is to really have two different types of modules. We'll have a core module, which will be integrated into the product natively. And when you go to do a download or deploy the first time, it'll be there. And then we'll have these add-on modules that'll be posted up into the market. Um, and the idea is some modules might just be fresh off the field and may not be polished, but customers can choose to use it. And we'll monitor those statistics. And over time, if they're getting used a lot, we'll look to natively integrate them uh, as core modules.
0: Oh, that's really cool. So since you brought up FireEye.Market, the FireEye Market, which is at FireEye.Market, I pulled it up here while you were talking. In one of the modules, I just clicked um, endpoint modules uh, over on the left-hand side, endpoint security modules. And I see the Enricher module. Can you guys tell me a little more about what Enricher does?
1: Yeah, the... the the big problem, so this was a, um, the a capabilities that was already in use uh, by our Mandiant teams when they're doing investigations. And the idea behind it is when you find new executables or new alerts that are coming in and you want to get some type of context or attribution on those alerts, uh, we'll do so through the Enricher API um, or the Enricher module. Additionally what it does is on new executables that we haven't seen before it will pull those from the endpoint submit those to MVX and throw them to the sandbox so we can analyze whether they're malicious or not and then all of this is being exposed to the uh, the user in the HX console
2: That's really interesting. So uh, another one I've been hearing a lot about is Process Guard. Steve, can you tell us more about that one? Sure, yeah. Process Guard uh, is one of those preventative capabilities I was just talking about a little bit earlier. Uh, and what it does is it attempts to stop credential theft um, by protecting the LSAS process. So one of the things we would commonly see attackers do uh, in their attacker lifecycle is want to dump credentials and then move laterally amongst different hosts. So what we've done with Process Guard is create this way to essentially isolate the LSAS process and not allow anyone to read the contents from it uh, by either using tools like MimiCat's or doing offline attacks uh, using some Red Team techniques we've seen where uh, they'll use Task Manager to dump the process memory or use uh, Microsoft signed executables like uh, process dump or what have you. So, you know, I
0: actually didn't realize this is way more than just being able to read or request data uh, from endpoint that we can
1: actually actually shim in and, and do preventative capabilities as well. Absolutely. And that's the idea is not only so maybe first we start off with requesting data, what we call audits, but then we move to detection and then prevention. what Steve has done, which is absolutely phenomenal in a very short amount of time, leveraging off of the the innovation architecture has created this new module. So
0: will customers be able to make them just like Steve and his team are?
1: That is the goal. So we have sort of a, uh, a plan on how we want to get there. Sort of the life cycle of it is first, we wanted to create the architecture, which we have delivered the first phase of it in HX48 and agent 30. And then, uh, so first our, our product developers are are using it to create modules, which is why you see the process uh, you see the enrichment tracker online um, being posted up in the market. Then developers outside of the product group, like Steve and, He will create, and Fred House's team will create modules that will also create and post. And then eventually, as we work through the process and get it really streamlined, we'll make that available to customers. And that is the idea, is absolutely to make it available to our customers so they can do it themselves and share that, share the modules with other customers and us.
0: Love it. So what does it take for a customer if they want to take advantage of the innovation architecture? What do they have to do to, to get upgraded?
1: Each module will indicate the minimum version of HX and agent that it needs to be on. And so right now the minimum version is 4.8, but we do have new modules and new capabilities that we're building. So they'll need to upgrade to HX 4.9 and then it'll be agent 31. But ultimately what they'll do is they'll go to the FireEye Market. They'll select the module of choice. They will import that module into HX and then there in the UI, they'll get options to deploy it out to one, uh, one host set and all host sets where you'll have configuration and tuning options for those individual modules. Love it. This, this sounds neat. I know customers are going to love uh, giving their hands on some of
0: these modules. How often frequently do you think uh, we'll be releasing these modules and
1: throw it out to either of you? Uh, monthly, we, whatever. So we're going to get on a monthly cadence. Uh, we've already got this agreed with our team. Um, so monthly cadence, so it becomes very predictable. Uh, that way support knows what to expect. Our customers will know what to expect. And so all the ones that are ready for that month will be released. Already looking in the queue, I see about four or five modules that are already underway of being created. Some by our product team for showing dashboards and UI, others in queue by Fred House's team that uh, we know that. Are being used in the investigations, and uh, so we've got a long list of backlog of modules that are just waiting uh, to get posted.
0: Sounds great! Thanks both for for joining us today on the Ion Security Podcast.
1: You bet! Thank you, Grady.
0: Thanks, Grady.